Welcome to Coffee with the Snows, where we talk about everything from the Bible to current events, but always flavored with high-octane caffeine and biblical thought. I'm your host, Art Snow, along with my co-host and beautiful wife, Sharon Snow. We begin every broadcast with me describing uh, a coffee mug from my collection, and every mug in my collection has a story attached to it. This particular mug is a wide-mouth white ceramic mug. It has gold and gray, maybe gold and tan, actually, as I look at it, colors on it. And it simply has the word enjoy emblazoned to the front of it. Having a good time, enjoying life is a high value for both Sharon and I. We believe that you should enjoy life. Every minute of every life of every day should be enjoyed. So as I drink coffee from this mug, good, strong black coffee from this mug, I'm reminded that today... Like every day, I should enjoy the full measure of the 24 hours that God gives us. So don't waste a day. Enjoy every day. Today we're going to talk about a very interesting topic. <clears throat> that is finishing well. The Apostle Paul, coming to the close of his ministry, says these words, I fought the good fight. I've run the race. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. He knew his time was short. He was in prison. He knew that it was just a matter of maybe days or weeks until he would see the face of Jesus. The book of Hebrews says that we should run the race with endurance, right? Not, not And put aside everything that so easily entangles us. So running the race is very important. Not just how you start the race that's important, but how you finish the race that's important. When I look back at our walk with Christ, 45, 6 years, however long it's been, I can recall many, many people coming to Christ with you and I in 1973. They started the race. They put their foot down there. They ran like a, like a bullet. And then before you know it, somehow or another, they fell off to the side. They were sidelined by the enemy, sidelined by their own problems, maybe. So it's really important for us not just to start well, but to finish well. Interesting, Robert Clinton um, in one of his books, talks about finishing well, and he says that there are six things that stop people from finishing well. So today we're going to talk about those six things. We'll share a conversation about those. Before we do that, I'd like to share a quotation from Michelangelo. Someone once gave me a Bible, and on the front of the Bible, it says these words in gold, Ancora Impara. And he wrote on the inside, as a gift to me, Dear Pastor Art, in Cora and Para, these were the words spoken by Michelangelo when he was 87 years old. When he was asked about his lifetime of achievements and talents, and he replied, Anacora and Para, which means I'm still learning. So, Sharon, you and I are committed to being lifelong learners. We're still learning every day how to do this thing called ministry how to do this thing called marriage, how to do this thing called walking with Jesus, right? Amen. So let's today go through the six things. Actually, there are seven. That's a good number. It's the number of God. Number one, uh, more than 70% of all leaders do not finish well because, number one, they lose their learning posture. I think that is really, really sad uh, I think early in my walk with God, I thought there would be a day when I would quote unquote 
arrive. I would have learned everything. I would have been transformed into his image. And then I would spend whatever time I had left functioning in this uh, perfection known as maturity. I would, I would reach this, attain this magical moment in time when that would happen to me. At, now, at the end of my life, or not at the very end, but on the down, down slope, <laughs> on the down slope, I've realized that the longer I walk with God, it's not that perfection or maturity eludes me, but the sieve continually gets finer. And so there are still things in me that don't look like Jesus. And so I have to consistently position myself to first and foremost learn what God requires of me. Then I have to continually be learning about the culture that I'm ministering in because you and I have ministered in a number of different cultures. And so you constantly have to learn that. You have to learn the vehicles of ministry. Uh, you and I text. Why do you and I text? Because we have young people on our staff and young people in our congregation who text us prophetic words during church. Right. We had to learn that. Uh, I w wouldn't have necessarily seen any value to texting at this stage of my life, but I had to learn. And the more we learn, the more fresh we stay. And the less fresh we stay, the more stagnant we become. And the more stagnant we become, the more set in our ways we become. And then we become ineffective leaders. That's right. So in our church, we have a number of preachers. We have a preaching team. About eight of us share the, the preaching time. And I always posture myself as a learner. Every time a young man or a young woman stands in front of me to deliver the word, I put on my learning hat. I'm not the old man of the room who has there's nothing left to learn. I put on the learning hat and I say, today, I'm going to learn from this speaker, right? So lifelong learners. I love learning from our young preachers. I, I am consistently surprised by their depth. I am consistently inspired by the challenges that they give me. And quite honestly, I, I am sure, 100% sure, that I am a better follower of Christ because of their put input into my life, even though I know by their own testimony that I've input into their lives a great deal, it's still a mutual flow. That's right. <clears throat> I've always said you should learn something new every day. So yesterday morning, about 10 o'clock in the morning, you came to my office and you shared something with me and I said, wow, I never knew that before. So I learned something. Then I said, I can go to bed now because <laughs> I've learned my thing for the day. <laughs> Okay, number two, Robert Clinton says this is the second reason why 70% of leaders don't finish well. Number two, they stop listening and growing. Well, that's, that's severely, critically unfortunate. I, I can't imagine a sadder state of affairs than to not to listen. I think that as you get older, you realize... You, you begin to get a, an awareness of the vastness of your experience and knowledge. But the vastness of your experience and knowledge does not negate the experience or the knowledge of people that are younger than you. And when you cannot listen 
to the people around you, when you cannot hear the things that you could do better or the things you could improve on, it goes right back to becoming stale and ineffective as a leader. Because how I used to lead when I was 25 is not how I can lead today. Times are different, areas different, culture is different. I, I have to listen to people around me so that I can stay current and fresh. That's good. Oftentimes I listen to podcasts as I exercise. I love podcasts. I can learn so much from podcasts, right? If I'm going to spend an hour in the treadmill, I might as well listen to something that's teaching me, that I can learn from, and I can grow from. I think growing is the key word here. You have to keep growing. You can't, you can't plateau. If you plateau your spiritual growth, it's only a moment of time until you decline. Because plateau is the first step of declining. So we always have to catch that curve, takes us right back up again. Always growing higher up and further in with God. Absolutely. Number three, they decline in character. Oh boy, this is a tough one. You know, unfortunately, I've seen older people who somehow feel as if they have permission to slack off in their integrity. They, they feel like somehow they have earned the right to what I'm going to call sin uh, because of service rendered or because of years denied or, you know, whatever. I, I remember talking to one pastor who felt like it was okay for him to take a little bit of church money because he'd given so much. It would have been a simple thing just to ask the church council if he could have that as a gift, I'm sure they would have been glad to gift him. But when we, when we start to feel <clears throat> that something is owed us for our, the service we've rendered to the Lord, it's, it's just a very short step until our character is, any, any flaw in our character that was suppressed is now glaring. Oh, that's exactly right. It's exactly right. So a number of years ago, I had to have a conversation with a man who was much older, probably in his, I'm guessing, late 70s, or early 80s. And he had been hurt along the way. And he was a former pastor. And I was negotiating the sale of a building, a church building. And I had a conversation with him. And he was the meanest, grumpiest man I'd ever met for a very long time. He cursed in his conversation. He said some really negative things about a people group. And I thought, this man is a curmudgeon an old curmudgeon, because somehow his character did not continue to grow toward Jesus. It began to decline toward flesh. And at the end of his life, he's become an old fleshly guy. And a whole, not a whole lot of Jesus was shining through that day. So character is important. Number four, they stop living by their convictions. That, again, this is a really sad conversation <laughs> of... I, there are, there are things that, that I realize that I have compromised along the way because when I was younger, I held a very hard line on something that maybe really was not reflective of the grace and mercy that God would extend to his children. And so I think as you, as you grow and as you mature and as you uh, reduce your flesh, there are things that, that you compromise on uh, 
based on individual ideas or, you know, hard lines that you used to hold. But there are certain lines in the sand that you cannot compromise on. You cannot compromise on the blood of Jesus as the only way to get to heaven. You, you cannot compromise on personal integrity. You, you cannot compromise on a code of ethics or a moral stand. Those are things that you, you just can't compromise on. And I'm not sure why people do. Again, maybe they're tired. Maybe they feel like they've done all this for God and he hasn't done what they wanted him to do. You know, we, you never know. But there are just things that no matter how old you are, you just can't compromise. That's right. I think of Jonathan Edwards. When he was 21 years old, he designed 77 resolutions. These are, we'll call them convictions. He wrote them out. 77 convictions for his life. So he ministered from the age of 21 until he died at the age of 55, an unfortunate, untimely death. And to the time he died, he lived by those 77 resolutions. So the resolutions or convictions should not wane as you get older. They should get stronger. Absolutely. <clears throat> Number five, they fail to leave behind ultimate contributions. Well, I, I don't know why you would do that. Uh, I think there's, if we're talking about leaders, there's not a leader in Christendom who should have any concept that they can take anything with them to heaven except their relationship with God and their relationship with people. So why why would you, you hold anything and why would you die full? I I have no concept for anyone who would not want to pour themselves out to the very to the very nth degree to whatever you have in you why you wouldn't give it away because heaven doesn't need what you possess you know the most eloquent teaching you've ever done heaven doesn't need that uh the most eloquent song you've ever sung heaven doesn't need that what heaven needs is empty vessels that will come empty-handed and be ready to be, you know, experience something we've never experienced before. So honestly, I just, I don't, I don't get that. Well, I think there's a matter of, uh, for me, it comes to mind that writing a book is this ultimate contribution. There's something about writing down your life. And even if nobody ever reads the book, there's something about even giving that to your children, the contribution that you leave upon the earth. When I leave this earth, I want to have left something here, either in the life of somebody, right, or something they can read, or in, in something they say, oh, I remember when Pastor Art used to say this. Oh, yeah, he used to always say this, right? I have that, that point, I leave a contribution on the earth. A part of me stays, because that's legacy. That kind of moves into the next one, number six. They stop walking in the awareness of their influence and destiny. Well, that kind of reminds me of a song. I don't know if you remember this guy, the runner. Do you remember the the I man? Yes. And and it it's a it's a man who uh, accepts Christ, and in the song is a, about his walk with Christ. And it says, you know, he puts on his running shoes and he starts running the race, and he sees people lagging behind, and he sees people stopping to rest, but he doesn't. He just keeps focused and pressed, and he gets to heaven first. 
he when you know he gets there before everybody else that he started running with and as he enters heaven's gates jesus is there and he's greeted but there's no big fanfare and he turns around and he begins to see other people come until finally the last person enters heaven and he's carrying other saints and he stopped to help those who were who were uh, martyred and wounded and he comes to heaven not not glistening with the sweat of victory but he comes glistening with the sweat and the grime of struggle and i think sometimes we we can think we're all that and a bag of chips and we really need to understand that our purpose is to bring others with us. It's not just to get there looking good ourselves. That's good. Wow, that's a great story. A number of years ago, probably in the late 70s, early 1980s, there was a, a Christian radio program called The 700 Club with Pat Robertson. And it seems like an odd name for a TV program, but he felt like he influenced in his life, he was a businessman, he influenced 700 people for the kingdom of darkness. So he felt like he needed to influence at least 700 people for the kingdom of light. So I asked the question to you and to myself and to all those listening to this podcast today. How many people have you influenced for the kingdom? What destiny do you leave upon the earth? How many people have you influenced and how many people will you influence until the day you draw your last breath? Okay, brings us to number seven. Some people do not finish well because they lose their vibrant relationship with Christ. You know, I, I understand how that can happen. This is one of the few, uh, few of these that I, that I truly understand. Because I think as human beings, we, we have uh, thoughts and expectations and ideas and promises that, that the Lord has given us that we kind of count on and we kind of think how things are going to turn out, kind of imagine it. And it doesn't always work out that way. And I think as human beings, we can struggle with disappointment and feeling like the promises God gave us or we thought God gave us uh, didn't work out the way we thought that they should have, or maybe we lose a spouse or maybe we lose a child and we never really process that. And so I think some people even are af afraid to admit that they're a little angry at God. There's something about them that, that won't allow them to say, God, you make me angry. And that then creates a disconnect. And because that's not processed, then you lose that, that knowledge of the reckless love of God. You, you lose how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and how much he's had you in the palm of his hand. And then I, I, I think you can lose your relationship, your vibrant relationship with God through that. And that makes me really sad uh, when that happens. Interesting. Um, a number of years ago, I defined the word backsliding. And here's how I defined it. If you've ever been closer to Jesus than you are right now, you're backslidden. And I think if you take that definition of backsliding to your everyday walk with God, then it reminds you, right, that you have to keep going higher and higher and higher, and you don't take a break from Him. 
You don't take a break. You don't plateau. You don't decline. You keep growing in him. So, well, it's been good, Sharon. It's been a really good conversation today. But it appears the coffee cup is empty now. So that's my cue to close this broadcast for today. Until we meet again, keep your coffee strong and your walk with God stronger.